Would you pray with me? Loving God, as we light candles for hope, love, joy, and peace, we pray that you would light a candle in our hearts, that we might magnify your light and your love, that we might rejoice in you and you in us. And may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I often think that we Protestants don't know what to do with Mary. Unlike our Roman Catholic sisters and brothers, we have not given her central place in our worship, in our iconography, in our places of worship. We haven't put her up all over so we can see her throughout the year. Instead, I'm afraid sometimes we treat her like a little figurine you pull out of the newspaper in the box and dust off and place in the creche once again with all the other figures. Looking at her as beautiful as she is and adoring her, but somehow Mary stays locked in these beatific and serene images. And we don't unleash her for the rest of the year. And so when we come to this passage again in Advent, when she sings this magnificent song of magnifying God with her whole soul, I wonder what we could do with it throughout the year. Not just in Advent and Christmas time, but throughout every season of our time together. One of my friends and colleagues, Quinn Caldwell, who used to be at Old South Church, said, I don't know where the world got the idea that Mary was meek and mild, but wherever it was, it wasn't from the scripture we just heard from the Bible. It certainly wasn't that passage, which was called the Magnificat, after its first word in Latin, magnifying God. Now, as you know, I happen to believe that bearing a child is one of the most courageous things a person can ever do, let alone agreeing to raise that child and be responsible for him or her. Quinn goes on and says, first of all, Mary survives being an unwed teenage mother, which is no small feat in any age, but perhaps even harder then than now. And as the Gospel of Matthew will tell us later, she and her family become refugees, fleeing the murderous rage of their king who is so terrified of this boy she's raising that he declares all the kids of his age in town should be put to death. Or never mind that she's raising the person who ended up being so important that time itself was split into before him and after him. Or never mind that she put up with it when he got too big for his britches that day they went to the temple in Jerusalem and told her he didn't need her anymore. Or never mind that she watched him die a gruesome death at the hands of a crushing empire. Even if all that hadn't happened, this Magnificat alone would be enough to qualify her, and these are Quinn's words, as one hardcore mother. Per picture it in her mid-teens, pregnant, her hands resting on her growing belly, her eyes narrowed and chin up, and threatening the rich and the powerful with nothing but her uterus and God's promise. If you listen to the way that Eugene Peterson 
paraphrases this song, he begins, Mary, saying, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. There is a sort of centering of her place in the divine scheme of things. And I've always loved the fact that she talks of magnifying God with her presence. I wonder what you and I need to do to magnify God. I want to come to that in a minute, but this song takes a very special shift mid-theme. And here's Eugene Peterson's paraphrase again. God's mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before God. God bared his arm and showed his strength, scattering the bluffing braggarts. Can we think of any bluffing braggarts we hear about today? God knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. If we look at the pages today of the international news, we can see this song needing to be sung. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. This song was an old song. In the Jewish tradition, it was a song sung by Hannah generations earlier when she learned that she was going to have a baby. In some ways, Mary is doing her own cover version of this song. She is redoing the words slightly for the current context. But this is a song that can be sung in all ages, and I believe that we as Christians are called to sing this song again and again. And what always impresses me about this song is it begins with her spiritual grounding, how God might shine through her before moving on to what might happen in the world. It's also impressive that this song is written, the words are written in the past tense, the past perfect, as if this has already happened ongoingly. It is a hope, a promise, a prophecy. My hope is that you and I, like Mary, might become so centered in God, in God's stuff, in God energy, in godly desires, that the good we do in this world might come from this deep well of godliness. My hope is that we might all be a little pregnant with God all the time. Meister Eckert said, we are all called to be mothers of God, for God is always waiting to be born. And sure, there will be morning sickness, and false contractions, and swollen feet and backaches, but there's also the sense of bearing something really important. If we could come close to Mary's reaction to any degree and say things like, let it be with me according to your word, or my soul magnifies God and my spirit rejoices. Now, some of us might struggle what that might mean to be pregnant with God. Some of us might even resist that idea for good reason. But I believe that the God of all creation, who set the planets in motion, who formed this earth, who formed our complicated bodies and the complicated bodies of every living being among us, 
for the craziness of physics and chemistry that scientists are still trying to figure out. But the God of that kind of creativity has something to do with our kind of creativity. So maybe being pregnant with God means we need to stir a little more creative spirit in us. We need to step out a little bit more with our songs, our poetry, our drawings, to think creatively about this life. Or perhaps being pregnant with God means we need to think about that still, small voice that Elijah encountered in the earthquake and the fire, the voice that is at the very core of our being that settles us and calms us down. The kind of God of that fourth candle we wrote today, the God of peace. Maybe you and I need to take a little more time to just be quiet and do nothing. That God might gestate in us a bit more. I was with colleagues this week who have lived in other countries and traveled in other countries who commented that the United States, and particularly the Northeast Corridor, is one of the few places they found where we are so uncomfortable just being. Or maybe being pregnant with God means those godly desires of looking out for the poor and downtrodden, for the person who needs to be born in the hay in a feeding trough because there's no place for them that's more comfortable or perhaps for the refugee that's stuck in the mud because of a bitter tyrant, or perhaps the people that the bluffing braggart is putting down, perhaps the people we miss on our way. Maybe God being pregnant in us means we need to open our eyes, eyes more and more to where this God, who always chooses humble, out-of-the-way places, can be seen. So I invite you to experiment with that a little this week. And on Christmas Day, wherever you may be, and also in the weeks to come, perhaps as you make resolutions for 2016, think about those ways that God might come into our being a little bit more through creativity or stillness or a sense of justice and compassion. But I'll add one more thing which is rather than a figurine in a creche, perhaps we should reimagine Mary as living on in some of the women we know and have known. I think particularly of the Magnificat being sung in Rosa Parks, who at age 42 decided she was no longer going to be relegated to the back of the bus. Others had made that decision beforehand, but there was something special about Rosa that the leaders of the civil rights movement helped bring her to public consciousness, and she became known as the mother of that movement. People who knew her described her a lot like Mary, both as we have traditionally known her and locked her in images, and as I'm arguing for and many others have argued for in the words of the Magnificat. They described Rosa as having humility, serenity, Fierce determination always gave her an aura that no one else had. She was willing to serve quietly in the background. On the other hand, she was one of the most courageous people that the leaders of the Civil Rights Movement had ever met in their lives. She was always a lady, having been brought up in the hills of Alabama, 
but she was a quiet strength person, both soft and controlled, but clear about her direction. One historian described her as the trigger that fires people into the study of civil rights. Or perhaps you might think of the young Muslim girl, Malala, who decided, who was taught at an early age by her father that every girl, every woman deserved an education to think for herself and to act in the world and for whom the Taliban tried to shut down her father and his schools. But Malala would not be silenced, and she created a blog on the BBC website, a blog that she did anonymously that was read by thousands, getting her message out. Eventually, she was shot and wounded, but she survived and earned the Nobel Peace Prize, the youngest Nobel laureate ever, and she took the $1.1 million and used it to set up secondary schools in Pakistan. Maybe Malala is a new Virgin Mary for us. Or we can think about Aung San Suu Kyi, the Buddhist activist in Myanmar, who has silently and courageously fought for years while in exile, centering herself in her meditation practice, but rallying until the day that the tables would be turned and thuggish tyrants would be put under. So when you think about the story of Mary as you look at the Christmas scenes, I invite you to imagine any one of these women, or perhaps women you know, in the place of Mary there, that going forward we may figure out how to unlock her from the ceramics and the oils and into our lives. That when we sing these words in a moment, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, their great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us. Our Lord Emmanuel. Amen.